Hello, Rob. Better get started on my message. Um, we started this series of messages a couple of weeks ago. I'd had it on my heart, but the situations that we see unfolding throughout the world in our nation, uh, it seemed to become even more evident that uh, we want to understand who is speaking to us. The many voices in the world uh, come to this place of, of we're hearing so many things around us, so many uh, contradicting voices, one with another. On one, You can listen on one hand and somebody's opinion, and all of a sudden there's another opinion and confusion. It begins begins to, to move concerning whether it's coronavirus, whether it's concerning uh, protests or rioting, what's the, what's the definition, what's the confusion, what's the situation going on, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, it'll even cause division in the body. Because of the voices that we listen to or the opinions that we have, we find ourselves at odds with one another, right? We have to ask ourselves that question, who told me? to be at odds with my brother over this situation. Who told me that? How is that getting in my mind that, that we should start to contend and be divided over these opinions that are in the world? God didn't tell us that. And we need to be able to hear and know who's speaking to us the loudest. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says this. Y'all just have to navigate. And if the, 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 the scripture's not on the screen, I apologize. I gave them a set of scriptures, but <laughs> praise the Lord. They don't have this one. John chapter 10, you know, Jesus said this. Jesus speaking, he said, you know what? My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. My sheep understand what voice they should be listening to. He didn't say there's only one voice to hear. No, he said there's other voices out there. There, in fact, are strange voices out there. But he says if you are my sheep, you hear my voice, and a stranger's voice, you'll not follow. And I know some people have said, well, I'm a sheep, and so I can't hear a stranger's voice. No, it doesn't say you can't hear a stranger's voice. It says when the strange voice comes, you identify, this is a strange voice. This is a stranger's voice. I will not follow that voice. I will follow the voice of the good shepherd. And I believe it's more vital and, and important today than it's been in times past to begin to understand really whose voice we're hearing, what voice we're following. And I've said this over and over again over the past couple years on Sunday night. We talked about this, so I know this morning will be somewhat redundant. I've come to a place where, you know, it's like, God, show me something new. I'm studying, God, show me something new. And I, there's a few things I just can't get away from. And so whether it's my life and you're just helping me or whether we need to hear this from God as a church so we can rise up and, and, and do what we're supposed to do and have a revelation of what we're supposed to do, then, then we're just going to have to take time to figure this out. But uh, I believe that more than ever before, that if we are not strong spiritually, we are going to fall prey to the voice of the enemy. We're going to fall prey to the circumstances of life. 
And so we talked about it a lot, but yet you can still see, even though we're working on growing spiritually, getting strong spiritually, all of a sudden these things started to happen and you start finding out how your soul takes hold and tries to dominate or how your flesh decides it's going to do its thing. And all of a sudden your spirit's crying out like, wait a minute. If you took this time, you know, uh, the initial time of stay-at-home order, and you started to pray, you started to tap into something, and you started to go, whoa, there's a strength within me. There is a voice within me that is working to overshadow all of the stuff. When I go to, go to the news and hear that, and all of a sudden it's panic and everything, it's like my emotions try to engage, my soul tries to grab a hold, but all of a sudden I'm drawn back to this place of prayer that all of a sudden now I have peace, there's some confidence, there's some strength to deal with what's going on every single day. And God wants us to know that, and God wants us to come into a place where we start to understand some things about the vital aspect of hearing him. And, and when we talk about these things, and I'm going to try to navigate this and get on, on track, but as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that God wants to speak to us through his word and by his spirit. When we understand why does God want to speak to us through his, by his word and, and his spirit is because we are spirit. And the only things that are going to build you and strengthen your spirit man are the Word and the Spirit of God. Right? The Word and the Spirit of God, when we allow them in, they are the things that bring strength and health and sustenance. Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 63, He said, the words that I speak, right? The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing the flesh profits nothing everybody say that with me the flesh profits nothing say that again the flesh profits nothing we'll say that again the flesh profits nothing now if you pause for a moment you'll get edgy your flesh will kick back wait a minute wait a minute my flesh Come on, if the flesh profits nothing, I mean, I, I got to get around, I got to walk around. My, my, your flesh will start to argue with that God-given statement that your flesh profits nothing. It will, I'm just telling you. If you're super spiritual, you're like, nah, man, my flesh. No, but you start to say, flesh, we're going to put you down because you profit nothing. Your flesh will go, well, you know, you need me. Come on, you need me. We're not denying that we don't need our flesh. Obviously, it's, it's the, the tent in which we live in. But Jesus is making a, a statement, the flesh profits nothing. And then he said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. My words, they are spirit and they are life. And so when we talk about the word of God and we start to think about the word of God and being strengthened spiritually, the words are spirit and their life. Hebrews 4 says this. They don't have this scripture either. The word of God is, is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides or it pierces asunder. It pierces through and makes a dividing point between the soul and the spirit. It goes right past your thinking. It goes right past your emotions. It goes right past your own willingness. And it drives right to the spirit of man. The word of God is spirit in its life. And it ministers more to your spirit 
than it does to your mind, your will, your emotions, and your flesh. That's why sometimes you have a hard time sitting and listening to the word. There's something that says, I should listen to this down on the inside, but your body's like, you know, could we get up and go to the bathroom for a moment? Because we don't like what this word is saying to us right now. Your soul is going like, you know what, could we have something a little bit more entertaining right now? But the word is penetrating to get right to the spirit of things. Why? Because God knows if I can get the word into your spirit and cause the word of God to save your soul, start to change the way you think, change the way you emote, then the spirit of God in your spirit can start to bring out details that pertain to your life. But without the word of God first going into your spirit and building a foundation of your spiritual life, the spirit of God has nothing to work with to continue to bring the detail of God's plan for your life. And without that foundation, without that detail, then we're struggling to allow our soul and our flesh to dominate our life. We're a triune being. We've been created like God, spirit, soul, and body. Most of you know this, but many times people get the soul and the spirit just confused. They just say they're the same. But the Bible defines those. He said, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he divides the soul and the spirit. What we just said there in Hebrews chapter 4, it pierces asunder to the spirit of man, passing the soul. The soul and the spirit are different. So we'll look at it this way. We all know what the flesh is. It's your body. But the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you have your spirit man that was separated from God until you got born again. And once you got born again, the life of God, the spirit of God came into your spirit and raised it back to fellowship and life with God once again. And you were born again. And your spirit man was in this condition of just newness of life. But now there's a process of growing spiritually, being strengthened spiritually so that we can begin to bring our being into proper alignment. Right? We need to bring our, our, our being, our spirit, our soul, and our body into proper alignment. And if we don't bring it into proper alignment, we will never walk in our eternal destiny and we'll never be as strong over the power of the enemy as God's word says that we can be. Right? And so we get things out of line. We get things out of whack. And we can talk about the flesh because the Bible does a lot about the flesh nature and say, you know what, yeah, I need to put my flesh down and, and really I need to try to not eat so many Oreos and, and you know, I, I really need to watch uh, letting my flesh do this. But where we really get combative, and I know this, and some of you have been with me for uh, the whole uh, 30-some years that I've been here, 37, and so you know I've said this, and I've gone under more persecution really than anything in 37 years, challenging people to put their soul down and not be dominated by their emotions. And when you talk about letting your spirit man take ascendancy over your soul, your soul rises up. Well, listen, bless God, Pastor. God created us with emotions. Well, he created you with the spirit. 
And he never created you for your emotions to dominate you, but your spirit man to dominate you. Right? When, I, when, when, when I've said, you know what, you need to put your, your emotions down, allow your spirit to rise up, I've got contention. But, you know, I've, I've never, nobody's ever, when I've said, you know, go ahead and put your spirit man down. Let your soul, I've never heard anybody get upset and say, God's created a spirit, Pastor. We have to let our spirit man rise up. Never heard that. Kind of tells us we're conditioned that we're in, Right? No, wait a minute. We can't let our soul take over. we got to let our spirit man rise up, which is the word of God. But when you say, put that soul down, let the... Wait a minute. What are we going to do then? That's how much our soul dominates us and wants to dominate us, is when you say, listen, we are going to move you aside and we are going to begin to rise and let the spirit man take ascendancy And it will be spirit, then soul, then body. Right? Spirit, first. First place. Come on now. I give my spirit one hour on Sunday morning, and I go to New Creation Church, and it's not an hour. He stretches that stuff out. And we feel like we've done our spiritual duty. But many of you get up and run for your body's health every single morning. Go to the gym every single day. Many for your job or whatever, you're studying every day to, to improve your intellect, to get a degree, to, to get the next place. You're, 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 you're exercising your intellect. You're exercising your body. And when it comes to the spirit, we're like, you know what? I'm too busy exercising my body, and I'm too busy exercising my soul right now to have time to exercise my spirit. And we wonder... Why am I having so much trouble here? Why is God letting this happen? Why is all this happening around us? Well, your spirit man knows exactly what's going on around us. Your spirit man knows exactly what day and what season and what generation we are in. And the Spirit of God in your spirit knows exactly what He has planned for the church and what He's doing. And He wants to open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to see and perceive what God is doing in the midst of all of this distraction. God is moving. God is ready to pour out His Spirit. God is ready to awaken His church and create a revival in the earth. But without the church being awakened in their spirit man, we're not going to see a revival. It's not just going to come out of heaven. It's going to come out of the spirit of believers come on even as believers were like pour out your spirit I'm praying for the rain right but when God flooded the earth he didn't just rain he poured water out of every opening in the earth and when God wants to flood he'll pour out his spirit but he's going to pour out of his spirit not just from heaven but he's going to pour out of his spirit from the inward man of believers who are strong spiritually and will allow that flow of rivers of living water to flow But we can't be giving place to our soul and our flesh and have this fountain of water. Because your soul and your flesh will try to put a cork in it. 
Because your flesh doesn't want you to be some kind of fanatic or get too out of hand. And see, your flesh will take things and do stuff and make it sound spiritual. You say it's spirit, but it's flesh. And the spirit of man knows what's flesh and what's spirit. So I believe God wants to bring us to a place of really understanding and becoming stronger spiritually than in any other way. So listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about alignment. Just so your soul, you, you can deal with your soul. I didn't say that you just have to kill your soul off. Right? All this works in alignment. I believe in health. <laughs> well, you couldn't tell it right now, but... Um, I believe in keeping your body in shape. And it's a terrible thing when your body gets out of shape. It's just terrible. I hate it. And you know, everything fights against your flesh getting back in shape. But it's important that your flesh be in shape. It's important that we study, we renew our mind, we keep our mind active thinking. It's important that we do that. I'm not saying that. But it's most important that we become strong in our spirit Man, it's most important that when things happen, something on the inside begins to lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us from within. And we'll see it as we go through this. I'm sure we won't get done today. But how many times Paul prayed that the church, the New Testament church, would be strengthened with mighty power by his spirit through the inner man. Because he knew in the day that they lived in, in the persecution and the governments that they lived under and all the pressure, that it couldn't be done from the outward man. It had to be done from the inward man. Praise the Lord. Give me just a moment. I've got to figure out where I am since I'm really not, I'm not sure I can distinguish that. All right. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Fourteenth verse. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. He says this. It says, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear? See, there's times that are going to come against us. The enemy has a strategy against your life. The enemy has a strategy that he's planning. And if we're weak spiritually, he says, listen, when trouble comes, if you were with us last Sunday night, it, it, it fits together. Paul told Timothy, in the last of the last days, trouble, trouble, troublesome times, trouble that's Hard to bear is going to come because people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of all this, disobedient to parents. He goes through all that. But listen to what he says. He said, in the last of the last days, trouble will come. And right here in Proverbs, he says, the strong spirit of the man sustains him in bodily harm and trouble, but a weak spirit cannot rise up in trouble. And so as we see trouble all around us, it's a, it's a call. It's a call out. 
It's a call out to the spirit of man. It's a call out to the Holy Spirit in human spirits. It's time to get strengthened. It's time to go into intensive training to get strong where you're not strong, to figure out where we can strengthen our spirit man, to overcome the emotion and the mindsets and the feelings and the desires of the flesh and of the mind that pull us away from God, that we get strong. And when trouble comes, we rise up. There's something in the spirit of man that can be moving through a time and, and, and just moving through. But when trouble comes, a strong spirit rises up. So how do I know if my spirit's strong? When trouble comes, instead of all the emotion, all of a sudden something from the inside rises up. And from the inside something is rising up and from the inside something is going down to root you and to ground you. So that no trouble will knock you off of cor your course. The word is spirit and it's life. God is the father of spirits and he says obey the father. Hebrews 12 tells us obey the father of spirits and live. Obey the father of spirits and live like you've never lived before. That abundant life. It's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in bodily time and trouble. You say, well, how in the world? How do I get to this place? Well, just like we do in any other place, you have to start to exercise. You have to start to exercise. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to just jump in on verse 6. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Everybody say all things. See, sometimes we think it's just good for church things. I want to come to church and look godly. No, godliness is profitable for everything. Godliness is profitable for business. Godliness is profitable for family. Godliness is profitable for friendships. Godliness is profitable for, for leadership. Godliness is profitable for all things. Why? Because it has the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Godliness says, listen, you can live above it in this life and there's a life to come that godliness will bring you into. He says you have to exercise yourself in these things of godliness. You have to exercise your spirit man. He said, this is a good and faithful, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Say, Pastor, I accept it. Well, that was good. Nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> Say, Pastor, I accept it. <laughs> it. Says, worthy of all acceptance. If we don't accept it, if we don't receive it, it won't have any power, but if we look and say, you know what, I'm, I'm getting this, I understand this, 
I understand that there's, there's a physical exercise. There's places where I exercise my intellect, my, my soul. But the godliness, the exercise of the spirit man and growing spirit, spiritually is the most profitable. So I accept it. I accept the challenge of growing spiritually. I accept the challenge of growing spiritually. And we get to thinking, you know, we start moving through our life and, and we start to give place to our, our emotions in any given situation or our thinking, how we think about it. You know, we, right now it's, it's really about how do you think about this? Who are you going to believe? What side are you going to take? And we, we start to listen and we exercise our thinking and what side we're going to take. And really our spirit man already knows exactly where we should be on this issue, on any issue. Right? But we get to that point. I was, I was watching this uh, thing just uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was talking, it was going through the whole last season of the Chicago Bulls. And uh, in 1994-95, Michael Jordan uh, quit basketball, and he went to play baseball. I don't know if any of you remember that, but he went to play for the Chicago White Sox. He retired from basketball. And so he did that for two seasons, and then uh, the base, uh, Major League Baseball went on strike. He wasn't going to go on strike, so he happened to actually just go back and, and start. Uh, he met with one of his uh, Chicago Bulls teammates, and he just went to a practice with them, and then he got hooked again. But the first season he was back was a difficult season. They didn't win in that season, and he said, uh, being in baseball shape is way different than being in basketball shape. And he explained just super briefly, he said, baseball shape, you're stronger in your shoulders, your, your chest muscles, and that. But basketball shape, you're stronger with different muscles, and you have to run a lot more, and your legs have to be stronger. There's just a different place, depending on what game you're playing, the muscles are different. And so if we're not careful, we're, we're establishing muscle in all these areas of our soul and our intellect to succeed in life. And we're, we're, we're strengthening our flesh. We allow our flesh to exercise itself so you know, we can maneuver in whatever way we want because we're playing the natural carnal game. And when I use the word game, then I probably shouldn't. Somebody's going to take exception, but just stay with me. We don't even realize it. It's just like Romans chapter 12 says, without even thinking about it, we're caught up in the flow of this world and we've learned how to strengthen those muscles, getting caught in the flow of this world pertaining to the flesh, carnal, and we've strengthened those muscles to play it really well. But when you move over into the spirit and are born again and decide you're going to live in a spiritual life, play the spiritual game, not the game of spiritual, but be engaged spiritually, it's a whole different set of muscles. In order to live spiritual life, you have to develop spiritual muscle. You say, but wait a minute, I've made it here in business, and I've made it there, in and I've done this, and I, I've really done this, these things. Yes, but you might have made it in business, but did in, when you made it in business, what was the influence for godliness that you had on the people in your business? God wants to take and have you exercise spiritual muscles so not only do you succeed in business, but you do something not only for this life, but for the life to come. You don't only succeed in your marriage raising your kids, but you've done something for generations to come and the life to come. Because it's a spiritual thing that we're doing. It's an eternal thing that we're doing. And the part that works for us for eternity is our spirit man, and it takes that spiritual strength. You can be in great 
shape to live and to walk in the natural life that we have to maneuver every day and say, I'm doing it. But it takes a whole different set of muscles to come over and live in the spirit in this world. That's why Paul said, listen, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Our weapons are spiritual. They're not pertaining to the flesh. You can strengthen yourself in the flesh nature and fight with the flesh and fight with the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Why? Why are they not pertaining to the flesh? That's what carnal means. Why are our weapons not pertaining to the flesh? Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen, you can get over here and fight flesh with flesh. Paul said, you want to fight flesh? I'll I'll, I'll fight with you any day of the week. We'll, we'll mount up what we've accomplished in our intellect, in our education, our certificates, all that. We could do that. But in comparison to knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection, it doesn't even compare. To get a spiritual life and spiritual strength, you can argue about your intellect and your successes in the flesh all day long, but when you come to spiritual life, it doesn't even compare. All right, we better get going. John, the 15th chapter. I'm just trying to exhort you and encourage you. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just trying to encourage you and uplift you. Because when you walk out of here today and you watch the news tonight or tomorrow, who knows what's going on? Who knows what the next thing that's going to be said about you, about our nation, about what direction you should go or you shouldn't go, who, whose side you should get on or you shouldn't get on, and try to pull you, what voices are there. But when we strengthen ourselves spiritually, we know the voice of the good shepherd and a stranger's voice will not follow. Immediately we understand that's a strange voice. We start to listen to the inward man, the witness of the spirit on the inner man, and we immediately say, you know what, that's the voice of my soul trying to take me in a direction emotionally or mentally that is not the way that I should go. It doesn't line up with the word of God. I will follow the good shepherd's voice. And we begin to get on track and understand that no matter what it is for our life, if we can follow that, he's the master of marriages. He's the master of success in business. He's the master of any kind of relationship. He's the master of leading people. He's the master of everything. Marriage is something that you can study. I encourage you to do it. Marriage is something that becomes incredibly emotional. But if you allow those emotions and you just try to follow the book. Anybody? Don't know why we're getting off on this, but. Right? In, in counseling, we've read all the books. You can read all the books. And they're good books. You should read them. I know everything. Right? And then when you read everything and it's not working, your soul kicks in. It's like, boy, we must be a mess. We can't do anything the book says. No, because marriage is spiritually designed by God. And you need to know what the books say. And you need to be, have joy and emotion in your marriage. But what you need more than anything is to be strong enough spiritually when the Spirit of God, and you know His voice says, just be quiet. You say, yes, sir. And you avoid strife that doesn't need to be in your home, not because the book says, 
And not because it's so emotional right now, but because the strong spirit of a man or a woman sustains them in times of trouble. Well, that didn't go over big. We should get back over on business or something. That marriage thing really flopped. All right, John chapter 15. I'm telling you, marriage is spiritual. Tasha and I, we shared on Sunday night because we started to really realize that and look at what the message says. Uh, guard the spirit of marriage. Honor the covenant of marriage. It's something that God created. Therefore, it's spiritual in its foundation. It's spiritual in nature. The physical part of marriage is enjoyable. It's wonderful, right? To get to rejoice together, you know, we, we just, you know, the rejoicing when your children are born and success and things go, the emotion of marriage is awesome, but it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual life and foundation that God ordained. And if you leave the spirit out of marriage, marriage falls far short of what God ordained for it to be. All right, get back on track. John, the 15th chapter, this is Jesus talking. We're going to have to close with this scripture and pick up here. In a couple of weeks. John chapter 15 verse 1. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. We go over that, but abide means to take up residence. Him in you, you in him. This is where we live. This is not where we visit on Sunday. This is where we live. In him we live and move and have our very being. There's, it's one thing about visiting someone. There's a whole other thing about living with them. Right? Praise the Lord. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Can't do anything unless we abide in him. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. People say, well, I get up in the morning. I go to work every day. I get my paycheck every two weeks. What does this mean? I can't do anything. You cannot do anything of eternal value and of your eternal destiny Without Jesus. Except the Lord build the house, he labors in vain who builds it. You can build a life, but without the Lord, it's all for nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If, one, if you abide in me, listen to this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you by this my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples he said listen when my words abide in you they live in you something starts to take place produce begins to happen produce of a brand new life produce of a spiritual life when you are born again the spirit of god lives in your spirit but it just starts something and the word of god jesus said, when my words come in to you it starts to lay the foundation of this amazing spiritual life that is going to be built that you live in and if you allow the word of god to take its course it begins to produce 
fruit. And Galatians chapter 5 begins to tell us what that fruit is. It says, here's the old man and how he works and works and works. And he doesn't achieve anything. But when the Spirit of God comes in to walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And the Spirit, the fruit or the produce of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, taking the Word of God and developing that fruit that Jesus talks about, means that we'll begin to walk in love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And let me just tell you, or I could ask you, when you look at your life, we talk about the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. What did he come after last week? Did he come after your joy? Did he come to steal your joy? Or did the information come and steal your peace? Or did conflict come and he stole your love? Or did you get so frustrated that you just said, the heck with it, I'll do whatever my flesh wants to do. And he took your self-control that you'd been working on for months holding that and all of a sudden you threw it to the wind because of frustration and all of a sudden we think the devil's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and we're not protecting the very thing that's going on on the inside of us to keep our spirit man strong. Because what strengthens our inner man is that fruit, that love, that joy, that peace. And if he can steal your love, he's stolen strength that you have to navigate everyday life. If he steals your peace, he's stolen strength that you have to navigate everyday life in the spirit. If he's stolen the, the goodness of God from the inside of you, he's stolen an aspect of you navigating everyday life. If he's stolen your faith or your faithfulness from you and created doubt, he's taken something that is the strength of God to navigate everyday life. If he's taken your self-control, he's taken the direction for your life and now it's random with no vision. He loves a weak-spirited man because every time the word comes in and starts to develop, he just comes in and steals your joy the next week or your peace the next week or he creates conflict and steals the love of God right out of your heart. And now you're weakened even more. But if we concentrate on developing and allowing this fruit of the Spirit and exercising it, no, you're not taking this love. Hold on to the love of God. It's mine. I'm going to love you no matter what. Even if you talk about me, I'm going to love you and I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to pray and find that place of peace, and you're not taking my peace. I'm going to walk in goodness towards others, and I'm going to exercise it. When I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway. You might have to get a workout partner. Because right? even your flesh, when it gets down, you go, I'm going, to, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out. But then it's hard to work out. But you get somebody to work out with that's going to be there at that time when they need to be there, you start working out. Come on, we wish that we would be in physical shape. Many of us wish we knew more intellectually. You can wish you were in physical shape and you can buy all the products. But without exercising, you're not going to get in very good physical shape. You can wish you knew a lot of things you can be in a lot of intellectual conversations, but if you don't read the books and understand what's going on and exercise that, you'll never be in that. You can wish that you were more spiritual, but without spiritual exercise, you're not going to grow spiritually. We have to exercise these things. 
When it comes to prayer and spiritual exercise, you can get a, a person that you trust and begin to do that. You know, we work on, here at the staff, we work on it. We, we set aside time. We do devotions every morning. We pray together every morning. I don't want my staff saying that they're praying and saying, well, you know, it's too busy to pray. We're going to take some time to pray. I believe they do it in their own personal time as well. We're going to make sure we have some spiritual workout partners. You find people, your husband, your wife, pray with, read the Bible with, call somebody, yeah. see what they're going through. Get on take 10. Get on girl talk. Get into a small group. That's what all these things are for. It's like when you're struggling, there's other people to help you get spiritual exercise and start growing spiritually. That's why we have these things in place. So you have workout partners. You have people that will help you grow and get strong spiritually. Father, we thank you. Why don't you stand up with me? We thank you, Father.